Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Amen. Praise the Lord. A very good morning to all of you that are gathered here this morning to worship God together in the house of God. What a joy to be here today. And even as I was preparing these days for, uh, for today's word, I sensed the Lord put a title on my heart for a series that I'll be taking in these next few weeks. It's called The Glorious Church. The Glorious Church. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 18. The Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Over it. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. When you look at Jesus introducing this church, the concept of the church, it was the word ecclesia that was used over there, and it is far, it was a new word <coughs> that was not commonly used among the Jewish people. It was a word that had so much more power into it. The Bible says that God calls us today to be the ecclesia of God or to be the church of the living God. But when God thinks about the church, God's heart for the church is something more powerful than what we imagine. In Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 27, the Bible says that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. God wants to present to himself a church in all her glory. <coughs> when God thinks about the church, God's idea of the church is very different from many of our own idea of the church. Many of us have many different ideas. We think a church is a building or sometimes we think a church is a place where everybody gathers to worship. God's concept, God's heart, God's idea of the church is very different. He looks at the church and he calls it a glorious church. God's heart, God's vision, God's dream for the church is that the church that shines in all her glory. A church that carries the glory and the anointing of God. And he says, having no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. A glorious church that is holy and blameless. Nothing to blame about. Why does God call the church? If, in fact, if God loved the church so much and God had planned for a church, I mean, he could have just got the church saved and he could take the church to go off to be with him in heaven. But the reason God has kept the church here on earth is because God loves a hurting world. In fact, everywhere around the world, people are in need. We see that all around the world, people are broken, families are broken, and people are into alcohol, drugs, or all kinds of, uh, all kinds of challenges, poverty, crime, perversity. Many are confused, many are depressed, many are lost. Many are suicidal. Many walk in pride. 
self-seeking and corrupt. Because of this, when, when God looks at this world, He looks at the world differently from the way we look at it. We look at it as a messed up world that we feel God needs to judge. Or a world that we need to get out of so that we can be happy. But when God looks at the world, He looks at the world as a people in need. And one of the reasons God sent His Son Jesus is because the world is in need. And the reason God today has kept the church here on earth is because the world is still in need. And I believe if God has placed you and me on this planet, alive and well and serving, it's because God recognizes a world that is in need. God is in fact in love with His creation, the world. God is in love with not just His people, God loves the whole world. Every race, every color, every people group. Many times we feel that God loves only the church. We feel God loves us and me and my family and my people and my children. But the truth is God loves everybody. That God loves the church so much. Yes, he does. That he calls the church his bride. But God loves the world so much that he called the the world his mission. He says, the Father has sent me. So not to judge the world, but to to get the world saved. God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus. All the time from creation to redemption until revelation, all through the word of God, you see Christ presenting a heart for the church, a plan for the church. God is interested in the church and God is also interested in the world. All the way from creation to revelation. You see God's heart even for the world. Yes, he has a heart for the church. But right there at creation, when Adam and Eve has sinned, God prophetically said that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. He had prophetically talked about a redemption for the whole world. And that was exactly what God did by sending his son. And I believe the church has got part, is got a part in God's plan. That all through the ages, God got the church involved in the world. We have two kinds of people in the church. One group of people that is sitting down and saying, God, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. Another group of people that are getting up and going out and saying, let's go out and reach the lost. Let's tell the untold. So when we think of ourselves being called to serve God, many times our focus is limited with a heart that cries, come soon Jesus, take me home. Until then, let me see if I can do something for the church. But God's heart is far beyond that. Not just to serve the church, but also to serve the world. To serve a lost world. But to serve a lost world, God, God wants us to understand our heart for the world. You know, I think often it is so hard for us to love people in the church. And how much more harder, if we are not intentional, would it be to love people in a lost world? Many times we see people that don't walk with God, don't walk in holiness, don't walk in integrity. Many that are violent, many that are maybe abusive, aggressive, and we we want to stay away from them. But when we look at the world, we need to understand that the world as God loves it, that God loves 
every nation. Yes, God has a covenant with Israel. But the truth is God loves every nation. God loves every tribe, every people group. God loves males and females, men and women. God loves the young and God loves the old. God loves every language group. God does not have a favorite language. If he did, he would not have given us the gift of tongues, which has no speciality or partiality to any particular language. God loves every language group. God loves every age group. Some of us, we, you know, we, we love certain specialities. We love certain particular groups. God loves every people group, every class. God has no differentiation between the rich and poor. God loves the rich and God loves the poor. And indeed, the truth is, even the rich to God is truly poor. Because God is throwing, I mean, his streets are strewn with, with gold. What is the rich to God? God loves the educated and the uneducated. God loves people with various kinds of preferences. God loves the criminal and God loves the honest. But we may not know how to relate to all these different groups. We may have our specialities. As a young person, I've seen so many young people come and tell me, I feel God has called me to minister among the young people. And I encourage them to go ahead and minister. But by the time they cross their 30s and come to their 40s, they say, I feel God's calling me to plant a church. Or God's calling me to be a prophetic minister. Or God's calling me. Because when they were young, they had a heart for the people they could relate to. Young people like to form a young people clique. In fact, the older people, they say, let's gather together. Young would say, let's gather as a youth group. And the old would say, let's gather as an old people's group so we can sing those old songs. That, that our fathers used to sing, how beautiful they were. We may not be relevant to all people groups, but the fact is, all people groups need the Lord. The Lord loves everybody. The Lord loves the wise and the foolish. And I think for this we need the wisdom of God to be able to connect with and relate with different people in different realms. All the people in the world may not love us back the same way. We, but yet we are called to love the people of the world as God loves the world. Many times in our churches or ministries, what are we offended with our families, we are offended with somebody, we keep quiet. And we do the same thing with the world. We get offended and we say, no, let's not talk to them. Let's stay away from them. But we forget that they need Jesus. They forget that God, we forget that God loves the world. We forget that God loves these people so much. And that is why we are actually here. Because the best of our services we do for people, they're all going to die one day. Unless they know the love of God, they will find no purpose in really living in this world. And that's why we need the wisdom of God. We need to ask God, God, give me wisdom. How do I navigate through a world that does not know the Lord? How do I navigate through a world that is taking advantage of people? The world's principles are take advantage of anybody to make maximum money. If for that case the world would say it's okay to abuse or to hurt or to fight or to be violent or to strive or do all of that. That's the ways of the world. Because the God of the world is the devil. And that is why he will cause people to do anything possible to, so that they can take advantage of them. 
People want to take advantage of the young. They want to take advantage of the old. They want to take advantage of the rich. They want to take advantage of the poor. But God's not called us to take advantage. God has called us to take the advantage of the cross to a hurting world. God has called us to carry this message of the gospel to a hurting world. And to lead the people of the world to become the people of God. This is the heart of God. This is the plan of God. Much of this effective work of the church has to be done by people. And unless you and I recognize that God loves the world, we will never really know who we are called to serve. We'll never really understand how to be effective. God has made us the citizens both of the church and the citizens of the world at large. So that we will be a connect between heaven's kingdom and the people of the earth. That we would be the ones that understand the things of the spirit. And yet we understand the needs of the world. We understand the heart of God. And yet we'll understand the pain of a broken world. And that is why God wants us to bridge the kingdom with the lost. The vision for a better place, a better world through the church. Many of the churches just waiting for the rapture. If I can just die and go to heaven. But yet... God is waiting for the church to bring heaven on earth. That God can make our homes a better place. God can make the world we live in a better place. In fact, people that love Jesus come to the church. Lives are transformed. We are excited that this is a better place. Simply because somebody took the gospel to a hurting world. I believe God has called us also to serve the world. To love the world. To reach out with this gospel. But for this, we need to first know who God is. Unless we know him as the king of glory, why would we want to serve? Secondly, we need to know who we are. Unless we know ourselves as the family of God, as sons and yet slaves, why would we want to go out and do something that would inconvenience us? And if we don't know what the mission of God is, how would we know what to focus in? That the heart of God is to bring the hearts of man back to the Father. Years ago, I heard a man of God say like this, the son of God became the son of man, that he might make the sons of men into the sons of God. This is the heart of God. God wants to do it. And for this, God is unapologetically engaging the church. God is not ashamed of the church. In fact, the Bible says God calls it a glorious church, Ephesians 5, 27. That he might present to himself a church in all her glory. Which means it is possible that we are the church that is not in all her glory. It is possible that we are a people that is not walking in the glory of God. It is possible that we know the will of God, the heart of God. But yet we are not walking in the glorious plans of God. The church consists of God's people. If you ask what is the church? It is the assembly of God's people. It's the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people. Many people think the church is a physical building. In this pandemic, many have not been able to gather together. The last 18 months, we have not been able to gather together. And we have been you know, streaming online. But yet, the church gathered. Because the church is not a building. The church is the assembly, the gathering of believers in different places. We gathered, we worshipped together. So be it online. Or in other means. But we gathered anyway. The church was not stopped. The physical buildings facilitate fellowship. And 
and coming together and worship and the ministry of God's word and people and all in one location. But that is not the church. In fact, the word ecclesia is a Greek word. It actually refers to the called out ones or the elected ones or the set apart ones. People that are called out from the world and set apart to be the people of God. To study this word, actually, it may take, you know, to unpack it, it will take a lot more than what I can do in this one session. But what I want to bring today to our hearts is the emphasis of God when God begins to speak about the church. The emphasis of God is very different when he calls the church. Sometimes when, when I would call someone my family, I'd have something on my mind. But the true, the fact might be that there'll be some people who are my family whom I may not want to call my family. But the truth is they may continue to be our family. The church is oftentimes, the local body, the local gathering, is oftentimes so emphatic and so focused on emphasizing the importance of only a local denomination that we forget that actually the church of God is larger than any local denomination. The church of the living God is larger than any small little local gathering. As much as it is important, every body, every cell, every gathering, every person, every local church is what makes up the larger body of Christ. Nevertheless, God has a larger heart that for the body of Christ that often we as local churches might neglect. God loves the church. God loves the body. When we say church, we often think about our local denomination. Why? Because as humans, we're often looking for identity. We're looking, what is my identity? What is my, my belief system, my doctrinal system? Who are my leaders? And all that is good and important for a certain amount of order. But we can't allow our need for identity to change what God defines as the church. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, but he also loved the church that he died for the church. God defines the church much larger than any one denomination or a local body. God so, it doesn't say God so loved our local church that he died. He says for God loved the church that he died for the church. And in doing so, when we minimize what God calls the church, we miss out on God's heart for loving the church, which is the larger body of Christ. In stressing the concept of the autonomy of a local church, that we forget the partnership that God wants in a larger family. There's a tendency to forget that God's church is beyond ours. That when God thinks of church, he thinks of his bride. He thinks of people in every nation, every tribe, every place. When we think about the church, sometimes we want to limit it to language groups. And we want to say, this is not the church. But God just goes beyond that. God has his bride in every nation. Maybe they don't speak our language, but that's his bride. And, and, and God goes beyond that to connect. Sometimes we, 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 when, we, uh, when we think about the church... We think about the church's mission only here on earth. Firstly, I said we think about the church only as a local group. And God says, no, my bride is larger than that in every nation. Secondly, I'm saying we think about a church only here on earth so that we can carry the gospel to the lost. But when the Bible talks about the church, he talks about a church that's going to be eternal. He talks about a church that's going to be there 
the bride, that in, when we go to heaven, the church is going to be there. Because that's the bride of Christ. That's the family of God. When we think about a church, we stress often on the individual dimension of salvation. That God saved me. God loved me. God cares about me. And, and that kind of concept has so much taken the hearts, especially after the Reformation. From the Protestant movement onwards, that God loves you. If you will accept Jesus into your heart, you will be saved. And it is true. God loves us. If we accept Jesus into our heart, we will be saved. But it is also true that God did not die. Jesus didn't die only for me. That the Bible says he died. He gave his life for his church. He gave his life for everyone that is called to be the family of God. That his plan is not a unique, individualized, specialized plan only for my life. In fact, if he calls me to serve, it's because he loves his bride. Hallelujah. Many times we think that God's love was for me, which is true. And only when I know God's love for me, can I really feel loved and have enough love to give others. Most of the time, we don't have love to give others because we don't feel loved. And we don't feel loved by God. It does not matter how much love people give us. We will not be able to respond back in love. I believe God has a unique plan for his church. And God is not going to repent for his plan for the church. He's unrepentant about it. You know, some few days ago I was thinking about this. God is unrepentant about his plan for the church. We feel, oh, why did God call this kind of a church? Or why is God calling these kind of a people? I don't know why God called that man or that woman. But God is unrepentant. God is saying, this is my plan. Whether you like it or not, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I believe that's what he's telling the devil too. He's saying, well, whatever you do, I will build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against your plan. God has called this church, the one with all its frailty, with all its spot and all its wrinkle and all its problems. God is calling this church my bride. And he's saying, I want to prepare this bride and I want to one day make it a bride without spot or wrinkle. God calls us as the church and he says, you're not only the bride, you're my embassy. You're my spokespeople here on earth. You are my voice to a dying generation. You are a healing to a broken lives all around the world. You are my hope for a generation that is coming tomorrow. You are my representation. You are the only Jesus that they'll probably ever get to meet. But this embassy that God is bringing together, it is not, it is not to promote any individual leader. Sometimes we try to promote one leader and a superstar pastor, superstar minister. But that's not the heart of God. God's, God may, the Bible says a pastor, God places a shepherd as the father overseer over a local church. But nevertheless, every father's greatest joy is to see his children, you know, outshine him. Every father's greatest joy is to see his children do well in life. And if that is the case, God's heart for the church, as much as there is a leader, a shepherd, God's heart is for the church. He's given the shepherd because he loves the church. He's given me a gift to be the leader, the shepherd of the church because God loves you. 
and that is an undeniable fact god did not give give the church to me because god loves my ministry god gave me a ministry because god loves the church hallelujah isn't that amazing that god would love the church so much that he would call you and me to serve him this embassy is not to be built around the fame of a superstar pastor or a minister it's not supposed to build around in an autocratic manner neither is this ministry supposed to be his church supposed to be a democracy no the church of the living god is not a democracy where everybody gets together all give your opinion take a vote and then we'll take a final decision that is not the true church of the living god that may be the way many organizations that call themselves churches operate here on earth but that is not the heart of god for his body his body is not a democracy his body is neither a cooperation if you go to many parts of the world the churches have become corporations where they are large business houses bodies they got project plans for profit they have you know ideas how to make wealth and how to do all of that all that may be good for a certain aspect but that's not the plan of god for the church what is god's plan for the church god's plan for the church is that the church would be a family god's heart for the church is that we be a family of god where we love god we love god's people that we become god's household a family and a household of god you see in the church of the living god what is a family a family would have a, a, a genetic background biological order or a background many times when we look at our family we like to identify with our nuclear family the ones that are closest to us but yet especially in the eastern part of the world when we think of family or extended family is also family in fact it goes quite wide where people consider a huge number of people to be their family and they have rights and privileges in the same way god calls the church to be a family an extended family with rights and privileges where we love one another where the the church the family has a biological origin the family has a household where they dwell and the family has a culture in the same way the church of the living god has a biological origin that we are all born of god behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of god the church has a biological origin not born of human intent but born of god that he sends us in the spirit it's not a physical biology it is a spirit descendant that we are descended from the spirit of god we are born of god yes the church is a household the bible calls us we are the household of god and the church has a culture it is the culture of the kingdom of god god wants to make us the family of god carrying a culture of god that when people come into the household when people meet the believer when people meet or encounter a child of god they will say i know this person is different that they would meet jesus when they meet us it is a kingdom and christ is the king and god is calling us to be a royal family hallelujah we call to be a royal family in this embassy that is a family god is calling us to represent the kingdom of god to a hurting world to a dying world why because this family possesses the resources of heaven this family possesses 
what heaven has. God is love. And this family can be love to a hurting world. We carry the resources of God's love. Of God's power. We carry the resources of God's presence. Where we go, we carry the anointing of God. We carry the resource of God's wisdom. God's knowledge. And greatest of all, we carry the resource of God's salvation. The message of God's salvation. This is called a glorious gospel. The Bible calls the gospel a glorious gospel. In the book of 1 Corinthians and in in Titus. It is called a glorious gospel. and, And God wants... To restore the world back to God by the church proclaiming the resource material of this glorious gospel. We have it with us. We know that Christ is the answer for a hurting world that does not know God. That he died that we might live. We know that Christ can bring salvation to the lost and bring the lost world back to God as their father. I believe the church is here to change the world. God is calling you and me to change the world. That we become agents of transformation in a hurting world. God is calling us not... The the challenge in today's time and age is so many of us, instead of becoming a transformation agent of change, we're allowing the world to change us. We see that so so often we are trying to act like the world, talk like the world. Behave like the world, dress like the world. You know, we, we, we like to re, we're trying to relate to people like the world. I know there are styles and there are cultures that are harmless, that are not against the word of God. But to be accepted by the world, many times the church is trying to become the world. Instead of going into all the world and carrying the gospel, we are oftentimes bringing the world into the church. We are loving worldliness, their ideology. When people get saved and come into the church, we, they come with their ideologies, they come with their cultures, they come with their backgrounds. And some of them get discipled really quickly because they submit their heart to God. And they say, this Jesus changed my life. I really, really want to walk with God. But others don't want to get discipled so quickly. They want to be in the church and have the best of it and be in the world and have the best of it. And so when they come to church, they end up bringing the culture of the world into the church. People come in, they're untransformed. And they will have clashing thoughts and ideologies and privileges, cultures, loyalties. They'll be loyal to the world and loyal to the church at the same time. And they call, they, they get called a misnomer, which really cannot exist. A carnal Christian. How can a Christian be carnal? And how can carnality be referred to as representing Christ? It's a misnomer. It doesn't fit together. But yet when people come in, many of them choose to live as carnal Christians. And this is where God wants us as a church to represent the love of God to them. That everyone in the church has not encountered God in such a way that they want to pursue the nature of God. But those of us that are encountering God, God wants... To say, if you're the family of God, I want you to represent the heart of God. God wants us to bring change into the lives of people that are coming into the church. And God wants us to bring change into the lives of the people that are lost out there. The church is a family. And that is why God wants us to walk the talk. We may not be there every day, all the time like that. But this is the call of God upon our life. 
The church must be the family that the people, the lost never had. They, we must be the family that they come in and say, we were looking for people we could trust. We were looking for people who would love us. We were looking for people who would be, who'd be, who'd be genuine, who would be kind, who would be real. And I believe the church is supposed to be that family that the world is looking for. I believe the church people should come in and say, we're looking for healing. And the church will have an answer for their broken lives. I believe people will come in looking for deliverance. And the church can be a messenger of God's mighty deliverance. I believe the world will be looking for kindness and compassion. And we as a church can be the messengers of God's kindness and compassion. We can be the family the world is looking for. And this is why God is still saying, the doors of the church are open. The doors of this family is open. That if anyone wants to become part of the family of God, if you would receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, you can become part of God's family. You don't have to be lost in your sin. You don't have to be lost in the ways of the world. You can be a child of God. You can be a messenger of God. And I believe as they come in, we will be an example. We can demonstrate to a hurting world what the love of God can do. Just like His love changed us. I believe His love can change you and me. And a lost world out there. Out there in the world, the church is out there. Biologically, the church is described as a body. Where there are different members that are connected together and growing together. Where Christ is the head and the savior of it all. And he nurtures his body. Architecturally, the church is described as a, as a building, a holy temple. With the apostles and prophets laying the foundations of this building. And all the people together building up this building where Christ is the cornerstone. And where the Holy Spirit dwells. Psychologically, the church is described as a new person. That if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All the past has gone away. All things are made new. Sociologically, the church is described as the family or the bride of Christ. In all these different ways, the church is described. But to the world out there, the church is the answer. The church is the only hope. Christ, through this church, is the hope for a dying world. We are the embassy of God given the gospel to proclaim to a hurting, dying world. The church is not a product of human coincidence. The church is not the idea of human intelligence. Because if it's a product of human coincidence, an idea of human intelligence, then the world, the church we're looking at would have no hope because it's a fallen, broken world. But the church is a plan of God that the Bible calls it in Ephesians a mystery. That God would call the church a mystery that is now revealed in Christ. And this is the church that God calls unrepentantly to carry this gospel to a broken world. I believe God is calling us as a church family with a mission, with a plan, with a heart. And I believe these days God's going to unfold what a glorious church God has. What is the great glory God wants to put in the church? What is the great glorious message God wants to give through the church? And what is the glorious anointing, beauty, that God wants to make 
the church to become. That is why the Bible says, in all her glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this precious day. We thank you, you're calling us to be the glorious church. And Father, even as we're beginning these weeks of trying to learn and understand your heart for the church. I, Father, I just pray that the glory of the living God will be upon the church. That you have called the church to be, Lord God, the family of God, the, the building, the temple of God. To be called the, 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 the carriers of the anointing of God. To be the family and yet the bride of God. So much more. And Father, as we as the church, Father, we are not limiting the concept of the church to a building. We are, limit, we are expanding the concept of the church to the be the family. Not just to a local body, but to a global bride. Not to just an earthly mission of evangelism, but to a heavenly, eternal vision of being the bride of God. Not to a selfish idea of my salvation, but to the concept that Christ died to bring salvation to his church. Father, we submit our lives. Fill our lives with your love. Transform us. And Lord, prepare us as a church as we go into these weeks. Lord, rejoicing in your amazing plan. Because you are unrepentant about calling the church. You said you will build your church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And to that we say, Amen and Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.